Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 177 of the podcast. Now, today you are in for an absolute treat. Now, what I want you to do is think back to when you were 26 years old. Now, if I think back to that, I was just moving over to London. I didn't have a clue what I was doing in my life. I was just having fun. Whereas today's guest, Sharon, the Sri Lankan superstar, is an absolute genius. He is, uh, for somebody his age, the life he's already lived and the impact he is making around the world is incredible. Now, I had the pleasure to watch Aaron present on the TEDx stage. And not only that, I got to sit next to him for half the day and his energy and his passion for helping people and making a difference in the world is, it just really blew me away and I had to have him on the show. And the second thing I want to talk about, I haven't met many people that are louder than me and I reckon Sharon today beats me on that uh, on that front. So um, we're going to talk about a number of different things. We are going to talk about some serious mental health issues. So if you are struggling or you aren't in a good headspace, reach out to somebody, speak to somebody. Um, Sharon talks about his journey and his story today from Sri Lanka, coming over to Melbourne to study and and really stepping outside of his comfort zone every single day just to be kind, make the world a better place and have a really big impact on the well-being and happiness of everybody around him. So um, guys, sit back. This is going to be a stunning episode from one of the most mature 26-year-olds I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Really excited. Got Sharon Valaludin. Is that I got it wrong, didn't I? Where are you then? Almost. <laughs> I can. T- I guarantee the podcast will get better after that. Now I am stoked to have you here. We're actually it was nearly a week ago that we only met for the first time, and I was super impressed with you as well as your dress sense, mate. You were very dapper in what you were wearing. Even my wife and my sister said that. Said that tailored suit was amazing. So we had the pleasure of doing TEDx Docklands. A week ago now um, and by the time this podcast goes out the recording might be out so I'll put a link for your great talk but how was that experience man? Man to be honest just two words dude humbled and grateful because yeah. like I'm 26 years old right like from coming from Sri Lanka having such an opportunity like this it was just like absolutely mind-blowing and then having other speakers like yourself like presenting around as well it was just like hearing all those beautiful stories man grateful and humble. Yeah yeah and I think that was a best thing about it like we all put so much time and effort into it if anyone listening that has put a lot of time into something i've never put so much into it how much preparation did go into your show so i think we had this chat as well but basically i'm used to talking about things at a lengthy discussion like an hour workshop or like a half an hour speech or something like that right and now you concisely put it together for like 12 to 14 minutes that was the hardest part because like my life in 26 years my experience in 26 years in 12 minutes. And and that's mind-blowing, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I spent more time writing down the story than practicing. Yeah. So, like, I spent, like, a, about three to four weeks just, like, getting that draft perfect. But I think the, how, a lot of the things on that draft changed as soon as I started talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because, yeah. like, it's from the heart. You don't really memorize... But I think three to four weeks of uh, just writing, 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 showing a few people, not too many, because too many opinions, (laughs) 
that's gonna ruin the whole thing. So I just trusted a few people, got their opinions, but I stuck to my guns and yeah. like what story that I wanted to tell people because I know that I have the potential to like make people change their mindsets. So yeah. I should always keep that uh, same rhythm going. Yeah. Um, but in terms of practice, I was just like maybe like four days of really good practice before the event, and then I just messed up the rehearsal. Forgot all of my words, got nervous because there was just three people looking at me and just like judgment, judgment, judgment. <laughs> but on the day, I just knew the energy was different, the room, the vibe. I had good people around me. I was sitting next to you. I was so happy I was sitting next to you. So just like two loud people talking to each other. <laughs> but like, oh, the vibe was different on the day, man. It was yeah. amazing. And, and for those people who have done something big like that, it was just a feeling afterwards of... I don't know, I just felt so grateful yeah. and so relieved in a way, just because so much effort goes into it. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about today. Obviously, we're in Melbourne at the moment, but you grew up in Sri Lanka, Colombo. Um, do you want to talk us about your upbringing and how you've sort of been able to get to a, you know Melbourne? Uh, okay, so... I know it's a long story. I, <laughs> I will summarise it as best I can. I mean, I did it in 12 minutes, so it should be possible. Um, but basically, dude... Um, I've been in Australia for a year and a half and in that year and a half, just in a year has been more challenging, more open-mindedness, more learning than I have in the past 25, to be very honest. Yeah. Australia has changed my life. Well, you, when you, like coming over, how nervous were you? Like, I was leaving myself. Yeah, leaving. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was, I was scared because yeah. like, um, so some background uh, from Sri Lanka, I have a single mom. Yeah. Um, she has gone through the worst married she was she was abused um cheated on uh, alcoholic father so it's just a complete mess right um so like i only had her but the thing is we didn't have like a, oh my god my mom oh my god my son or anything it was just like we had an understanding relationship where we were she didn't have she married when she was 18 yeah so she didn't have the time to socialize is that that's normal in sri lanka um, or is yeah. it changing a little it's bit? It's changing now, now yeah. right? People are just figuring out like, oh my god, no, let's not get married so early. Let's actually have some fun and enjoy life a bit. <laughs> Live a little. Live a little. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't have the chance to emotionally mature. Yeah. She didn't have the chance to um, learn about friends and family, make mistakes, all of those things. She made one mistake, I'm air, quote, air quoting, but to my family's eyes and then she was just like disowned basically really yeah all of my family just like cut her cut us off and it's like we told you so syndrome and that whole thing right so financially yeah. we were just like struggling a lot um so yeah it was just um i did a lot of my growing through my friends uh obviously i don't have the same friends today the mm. friends change as the years go on yeah but a lot of my growing like i wouldn't have worn a suit before I didn't know what to wear for a firm, like to a corporate firm job or whatever. My friends took me, bought my first shirt, my trousers, my shoes. They took me and bought me those things. They taught me like how to talk to a girl, how what the do's and not to do's. Obviously messed up a lot. <laughs> but like I was bullied in school. Uh, didn't really have like a girlfriend till I was like 23. Because I didn't really have that father figure to like take me through the ropes. Um, and yeah, man, it was just like, it was interesting. Like, I have no regrets, right? Like even though I learned late on, on a lot of the social aspects of life, I learned a lot of value from my mom. Like hard work, uh, be humble, be kind. Like we, we used to have a maid uh, back to help us out with a few things. And whenever I'd go to the maid's house, uh, we would all sit on the ground and eat food with them. Like 
that's the level of like being humble, right? My mom yeah. would say we are no different from them. Well, they should. I don't think they should be. Nobody's better than anyone else, and if you do, you're reducing so many connections you could have. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a really good message to be yeah, brought up with, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Like even if it's a security guard at school, I would like we would like get them new shirts for New Year's, and there are people who are like in Sri Lanka. It's not great in terms of the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, yeah. right? Um, so like anything that we can do to help our people, we will do in our capacity. Like we don't have all the money in the world. Yeah. But that's the type of upbringing I had in a nutshell. Um. So like Sri Lanka was good, man. It was just it's just uh, it's a lot of um in terms of like mental health and stuff. It's a stigma. Uh, being in a relationship is like a no go sometimes for certain parents and all of those things. So it's a whole it's a very backwards culture. Not bad because we've. Our culture has been even longer than Australia's yeah. years of history, right? So just that generation is dying off, for lack of better words, right? It's 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 moving on now. People are learning about like more comfortable conversations and taboo conversations and everything. But yeah, I'm not sure that Sri Lanka man. And then finally, I got the opportunity to move. One of my family members actually came came forward and said they would pay for my first semester. Oh wow! Um, and they did cover for my first semester. And yeah, man, came here. My first semester here was. A complete culture shock. Oh, uh, well, I've been to Sri Lanka a couple of times, right? And it is completely different, dude. Beautiful country, lovely people, but Melbourne is on steroids, dude. I was like little boy, big city. Like, I was just, I don't know, I was like, holy, these buildings are so big, and there's so many of them. And I saw a train, and I was like, there's things on the road that look like trains. I was so confused, right? And I didn't know which way the trains are going. It's like, and then my partner at the time was just like, "Oh, they go the same way the traffic goes." And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's how it works." <laughs> but like, it was it was insane, man. But like, really, after my first semester, after like settling in and like, I went through a breakup. I was going through like depression and all of those things. I really started to be like, "Look, there are so many Sri Lankans in my position, and maybe obviously around the world who do not have the opportunity that I have right now." Yeah. Right. This is my opportunity to make use of what I got. Meet impressive people. Like use all these university facilities that I have, and thankfully I've joined a good university that has those options of like networking and volunteering and all those things. Take it up. Um, my advice to people is don't do what I did completely because I got like three to four hours of sleep throughout two thousand nineteen, which was very bad. That is not a lifestyle that I would recommend. It doesn't work. Nope. Now I'm happily getting seven or eight hours of sleep, which right. is much better. Like that's my goal for 2020. Yeah. Like get consistent sleep. Yeah. But 2019, man, I put my head out there. I was just like, I am Sharon. This is where I come from. I don't expect anything in return. Just teach me something. You know. Just like I will give you as much as I possibly can. Just give me. Just teach me something. Just give me something that I can take back with me. And like anything, anything that you can give me, right? Whether it's like soft skills. Um, an opportunity to like talk somewhere, opportunity to volunteer for an event. I used to do like things like show students that like, if they got lost around university, I would show them around all those volunteering things. I would, I still do it. Yeah. I still show students around. I still do it, but like instead of volunteering, now it's a job, right? So it's just a little upgrade. Yeah, yeah. So, so with that, like obviously there are a lot of international students or just students that may take things for granted. When what made you change that mentality of that? I'm in a really lucky position here. I want to do something good with it. Instead of just sort of cruising through, like, was there a, a day or a reason or a time that that happened? In my understanding, this is what I tell every single international kid that I meet. We come into this country with a disadvantage. Anyone can cruise through university. 
It's going to be hard, yes. Subjects are hard. If you procrastinate all the time like I did, it will be hard. Yeah, right. And, and don't sleep much. And yeah, and, do, <laughs> and that. <laughs> um, but my biggest advice for international students is you have this opportunity, even if you came from a more comfortable background, if you had the finances, whatever it is, the opportunity and the learning you get from a country like Australia is insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's a different culture. Obviously, not not everything can be reflected back home, but learn everything you can. Implement what you can back home if you're going back home. Yeah, right. Take this opportunity right now. If you don't, that's up to you, right? Like, who am I to judge your lifestyle and what you want to do, right? But if you really want to take my piece of advice, I would say, learn everything you can because it's going to be a dynamic explosion of information and like opportunity. There's so many free things happening around the CBD and around Melbourne use it yeah you know they, they're, they're using it's free obviously for people to market eventually but like it's free use it go talk to people there's incredible people out there in personally in melbourne not all of australia but in melbourne everyone's been super friendly to me i haven't had any racism or any serious comments against me i haven't been held down as of yet within melbourne and i would say just like put yourself out there mm-hmm. like the biggest thing that even I, I did a commencement speech uh, at a workshop uh, the other day for 350 new marketing Yeah, let's talk about right? this. And because and, I, I did read that post. Yeah. So a year and a half ago, you were sitting, you'd just come here and now you're up there talking. Yeah, I was so emotional. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but that's, how powerful is that message? Like, how did, did you ever see, think you'd be doing this? Think you'd be doing Absolutely this central? Think you'd be speaking in front of 350, 350 people? Like I said, I had zero expectations. So and that's like, why it humbles me even yeah, more. I just, it, it baffles me, mate, because at your age, there's no way I could have been doing anything like this. Yeah. So what do you, how did, did you just take every opportunity, put yourself out there? Is, is that how you did it and got more and more confidence? Also understanding where, when to say no. Like understanding how much is on your plate, yep. prioritizing from a P1 to P5, whatever's higher is up to you. And basically figuring out, okay, if I'm taking up this, will this help me in the future? Gotcha. Like, for example, I met Josh Farr from Campus Consultancy on one of his workshops, right? And basically, I stayed, I always stay back at events just to talk to the speaker. And I stay back and let everybody else speak because that's how we brought up, like, respect people's time. They've, they've been waiting. I will wait until the very end. If the speaker's nice enough, they'll talk to me. And I basically spoke to him about, I'm a mental health advocate. I've been going for counseling and therapy for the past, at that point in the past, for the past six months. Um, I would like to work for an organization like Headspace or create content for them because I'm a creative at heart. What can I do? That's it. Zero. I didn't want to work for him. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yeah. like that, right? But do you reckon because you didn't put it out there, like I get, and this is for people listening, all yeah. the workshop, people go, oh, do you want anyone to work with you? I want to yeah. work with you. I want to do yeah. what you do. I'm like... It doesn't just work like Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, so I guess maybe because... The I way you framed the question. Be- yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, how disengaged would you be if someone just tries to sell straight away? Well, and that's right? t- unfortunately, that's what yeah. a lot of people do. Unfortunately. Yeah. So I, he just gave me some advice, connected me to someone, and then we just had a few chats between that person. Um, and then eventually he had a client that he gave to me. Um, and I handled their social media for about six months and the engagement rates went just like way up. They got like a five figure sponsorship from another company because they have been noticing their posts and what they do because I was putting all the information out there. And he was just like, yep, you're, you're coming to work for me. And I was just like, hell yes. Okay, let's do this because like he's been good to me. Like, and like he has so much opportunity. And then he gave me the opportunity to do the RMIT commencement speech. 
It's, uh, a, it's a cycle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It just comes around. Some people would say that you're lucky, but it, it's not though. But here's the thing, man. You, but that, uh, I, met, I, met, I met like 150 people yeah. to meet the three good people. Yeah. You know, so I didn't base it on luck. No. I based it on the number of networking nights I went to, panel discussions, workshops, volunteering events, Red Cross. Any, everything I did amounted up to over hundreds of people I would have met over the year, right? But there's three to four people that genuinely want to like help you. Obviously, all of them genuinely want to help you, but yeah, maybe yeah. they don't have the opportunity or maybe they don't have the position or the time or the money. All of those things. Like, all those things are factors and it's completely fine. Like I'd never be like, oh, I met you and you never helped me. The people who came forward and offered you are the people like, it's a statistical thing, right? Yeah. It's not luck at that point. No, I've been, I, I don't think it's luck. One yeah. little bit. Yeah. But I think the really important thing is the way you've gone about it, you haven't gone in with the objective you want this, you want that goal, you want to work for this, you want you want a position, you're generally just trying to advance yourself. And that's, I think that's the simple mindset shift or the way you approach a situation. How can I grow instead of what can I get from you? Do you reckon Absolutely. that is one of the be- best bits of advice you've got? Because, for example, dude, um, for me to this day, despite everything that has been going on in my life, money is still a byproduct yep. to me, right? I'm not motivated by money. I don't think I ever will. Money is needed to live and to like pay your bills, enjoy travel, enjoy time with friends, all of those things, right? But so far, because I've made money as a byproduct, I've been happy. I'm not starving. I'm not homeless, right? My mom's good, you know? I'm, I'm not focusing on money and I'm still happy and that's amazing, yeah. right? And all I wanted from whoever I met was one thing to take away. Right? Imagine they taught a hundred things, but 99, things of, 99 of the things they spoke about was not applicable to me. But that one thing, if I can apply it to my life, that networking night or panel discussion or whatever it was, was worth it. Yeah. Right? And even recently, we, stole, we sold my car back in Sri Lanka. And my mom and I loved that car. Right? It was given to us like someone who was very, like, we couldn't afford a car. It was given to us and we loved that car. Right? We had it for like six years and we had to sell it. And that only paid half of my semester fee. Right? So I know what sacrifices are going into this in terms of money. Yeah. But to this day, money is still like, I'm not, I'm not homeless. I'm still happy. I have good people around me. I know what toxic people are and good people are. Right? <clears throat> At this point, I'm still figuring out like, how to get like, the balanced semester fees and all those things. But I'm, I'm okay. You know? It's yeah. not the end of the world. Right? Yeah. Australia is giving you, like, even I'll speak to RMIT, sort something out. You know? It will work out. I'm realistic about it, but... I'm, I go off of intrinsic motivators. Well, uh, intrinsic is the only way to go because extrinsic will run out or you'll run out of things. It'll be like when I spoke about, I'll be happy when. It's not if you're facing the future. It's not that. You've got to be intrinsically motivated and want to do it for yourself and want to keep going. So do you find a lot of people you meet that um, they are driven by money and they are driven by status, success, not by the impact they can make? 80% of Sri Lanka. I've grown up in a culture where money, social status is the most important thing. And I've seen it with my bare eyes and I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't me, right? I see people who just like, which is completely fine, right? I'm not dissing the culture. No, no, like, it's your lifestyle. If that makes you happy, good on you. But what makes you happy doesn't mean it has to make me happy. Yeah. You know, so it's completely fine. It's just that I hope that it lasts for you. I, for me, my mentality is whoever I meet, regardless of social status, uh, sexual orientation, um, background, culture, whatever it may be, right? I hope the best for you. 
I hope that you're genuinely happy and it's not an Instagram post that's showing you happy and you're going home and crying. Yeah. Right? You're living, I call it the Instagram effect that you post 1% of your life. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The rest of 99% is rubbish. And then people scroll through social media and they think their life's no good because and it makes everyone them unhappy. Correct. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Right? And I don't want to be a part of that Instagram life. Right? I, I want to show that I struggle. I'm human. I'm just like you. Right? You don't have to speak about those things, but I will show you what it's like when I struggle. Yeah. So you can relate to me, right? I don't want to set unrealistic expectations of if you earn this much money, you will be happy. <laughs> well, you won't. You like, won't. It doesn't matter how much you earn. It's what my grandmother told me all the time, and she she was super wise, and you know, like <laughs> used to give me all this advice. Ninety nine percent of it was just rubbish, but like the one percent, like I still. So one of the advice that she always used: What do you take when you die? Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely you nothing. You take memories. So you take, you, they put a toe tag on your toe, just like, uh, <laughs> just like uh, John said on his speech, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they put a nice little suit on you, and if they cremate you, you don't even get that, right? You just say, like, you burn. <laughs> right? Correct. So you take absolutely nothing with you, man. It's what you give back. Yeah. Like, I wholeheartedly believe in that, man. If I can make someone's day better today, just one person, yeah. just a smile, right? So I was on the tram on the way here, and this old guy, right? He moved. Uh, I moved the seat for him, and he sat down, and like he he moved his bag for me so I could keep my bag. And it was just like it was like a, a conversation without having a conversation, yeah, no, you know? A kindness conversation. Yeah, a kindness conversation. And he left the tram. And he left his phone there, right? And I took the phone and I quickly tapped him, and I said, "Actually, here's your phone." And he just said, "Oh, thank you so much. I like, thank you, like." And then he just left, right? Like, I made his day, like, in yeah. some small way. Like, imagine that old dude lost his phone and he was just like, oh my god, I can't call my wife, yeah, like, yeah. how do I get home? Or like, I don't know his background, like, it could be the worst case scenario for him. Yeah, 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 he might be completely lost. So, I know you're really big into kindness. Um, talk to us about kindness. How, what do you try and do, like, just like that, that that's a simple act. What are some of the other things you've done to make people's days better? <laughs> so I have two of my best friends called Kieran Cook and Dushan. They have been my best friends since I was a little kid. Um, and I, I always preach about what does kindness cost? It costs nothing. <laughs> and one of my friends is like, yeah, it costs your fucking sanity. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? I, it's my fuel. Because as soon as I'm kind to someone and they do it for someone else and they do it for someone else and I keep seeing this ripple effect of what's going on and like I've I've spoken to so many people on Instagram and I keep touch with their lives from time to time and I see that they are in a happy relationship now or they've gotten married or something right from the day that they spoke to me and they were depressed yeah. and I'm not saying my what I told them that they all no, 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 no. directly correlates with it right they don't even have to come and tell me they don't even have to thank me but the fact that I can see them happy it's just like, oh my god, I knew you when you were struggling with something personal and now you're married and happy or you are just like happy with life and you're just in a good job that you like or you're doing your own thing and you love it and that for me is just like fuel, man. I'm just an engine ready to freaking go again, you know? <laughs> petrol. Oh, dude, just like petrol, diesel, just whatever it is, just pump some kindness into me and I'm like, I'm good to go, dude. Like. We just need more of that, man. We, we need do. more people using kindness as fuel. You know? 
you know just like spreading that more and more and more yeah like i like you said in your talk right like as soon as you said it i was just like man this is what i preach every single day thank god there's somebody else talking about it you know <laughs> and it was just like like you said like how hard is it to ask someone how their day is like how hard is it to say i know like you said like your guy like your guy friends and messages like are you okay <laughs> i did though because we don't do it you know absolutely. what i mean and absolutely you don't realize the impact that can make on somebody because you don't know what's going on. As we said, people portray something in life and it might be the best part of it, but they could be crying at home. Absolutely. And they may not be ready to talk about it, but a simple reach out and a message or a hello or something could be the spark, like you said, a little bit of petrol in that engine that gets them going again. For sure. You just don't know, do you? You don't. But the thing is, does it matter that you don't know? No, it doesn't. Right? It doesn't. Right? Right. If it makes their day, then that's what matters. You don't even have to know. If he just goes and does something good or you see him doing something good or he's just happy and... That's what matters, yeah. right? Yeah. And for example, like in my culture is a lot of toxic masculinity, right? So like as a guy, I don't know, maybe since I was brought up by a woman who like, has been emotional all her life that I've been more emotionally intelligent than a lot of the men around in my life. Do you reckon that's a stigma though that, you know, we have to, I know it's breaking down a little bit now, but as males. It is absolutely a stigma. Yeah. It is absolutely a stigma where men have to be this hard and strong, you know, but you can't cry. Like you go and cry at home, but you don't show anybody yeah. else, right? But my mom has taught me to an extent, to to a very good extent, that it's okay to cry, it's okay to be emotional, it's okay to show fear, it's okay to show anxiety, all of those things, right? But like she learned more and more about my mental health through my socials. Like I didn't directly talk to her about it because I knew that she would also worry and she would also have that old old mindset. Yeah. But as soon as she figured out that stuff, she was like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "My son's going through this, and my heart breaks when I hear about these things." Like it. Goes. That's mother's intuition, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. But like she's also happy that I'm being open because this is a conversation that needs to happen, right? Men don't need to be this hard and strong person, like holding it together. Hell no. You yeah. know, if you want to break down and cry, do it. Mm. If you don't want to like work this job eight to five and you absolutely hate it, don't do it. Go do something you love. Mm. It's nothing wrong don't, with don't, it. Don't settle. No, I don't hell that. No. So, so obviously different generations here. I'm uh, what, eight years older than you. So for me, when I was going through a rough period, I didn't really have social media. It wasn't such a prevalent thing. And I sort of dealt with it differently. So for you, I, I know you might want to talk about it, but you went through a pretty serious sort of dark patch in your life and I know you've learned from it and grown, but was social media your sort of way of, you know, expressing it, you know, so it doesn't just bottle up because that's what we do. You bottle something up and it'll explode. Yeah. So it was uh, social media your sort of outlet? Yeah, I'll give you a small introduction of my social media first. So my Instagram was food and travel blog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I built my following based on like, because I used to do really good reviews and people absolutely loved them, right? Yeah. And I just like grew a huge <laughs> following based on that, right? Yeah. It was a very honest one. I spoke about the occasion I was there, how much the prices were, all of those things, right? And people just loved it. And then it came to a point where I was in a really bad place in Melbourne, uh, in Sri Lanka as well before I moved to Melbourne, but it really got worse when I came here. Because you're away, like you're just in Not by because yourself. I was away, I was okay being away from mom and all of those things. Yeah. It was just like, it was just too much. It yeah. just came to a point where I was just bottling it in and it like, it's obviously it's not healthy when you can't go, it. can't go anywhere, you bottle that much in. You put so much pressure in a balloon, it's gonna burst, Yeah. right? Um, and I just imploded and I just attempted suicide and I was just like, yeah, this is not good. That was back in Sri Lanka. And then I contemplated suicide two more times. And contemplating is as bad because you're thinking about how to do it. You're thinking about it's actually better off if I kill myself and it's actually better off for people around me. And 
all these things that is not true after on after afterwards when you reflect on it. Yeah, but, I know, but at the time, yeah, but that, that's all well and good to say that. But yeah. at the time, there's nothing you, else going you, on. There's nothing going yeah. on in your mind except for people's lives and your life would be better off if you end it. You know. And at one point, I had like panic attacks. I've ha- I still have panic attacks in random occasions. Like something could be completely good, and I have one. But I had excruciating panic attacks for like eight days straight, waking up in the morning, and I couldn't breathe. And I was just sweating and I couldn't breathe and I was just, I didn't know what to do. And that was the point where I was starting to reach out. I was just like, my best friends, like I said, Kieran and Dushant, like that, I owe them so much. Um, they're both idiots, but they're good friends. Um, but Dushant basically looked at me and he was just like, uh, he sent me a message on WhatsApp and he was just like, Sharon, we can tell you the same thing every single day, which they were, just to reassure me. But it comes to a point you need professional help. It comes to a point you need to seek out someone who can scientifically break down what the hell's wrong with you and tell you what you need to do, whether it's antidepressants or whether you're okay but you just need to keep talking to someone, yeah. you know? So then RMIT had free counseling, like I couldn't afford actual therapy and counseling at, more, at the point, at that point, and I was just like, I need to go see someone and I scheduled my first appointment. And yeah, man, for a whole year, I constantly kept seeing her and she was more than happy to like, keep seeing me and she made me picture this breathlessness and this these thoughts of like um uselessness or insecurity like i have a big insecurity complex i still to this day like even now when i got the ted talk call i know i'm going on a tangent but no, 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 I, but this is good man I'll, um keep talking sorry. yeah when i got the ted talk call i was happy on that day the next day i had a panic attack because, because i thought like, I what have i done because i thought i didn't deserve it mm-hmm. i have a massive insecurity complex right yeah and like my therapist made me picture my pain or my breathlessness as a rubber ball in my diaphragm blocking me from breathing so then she realized that i love gym i love fitness it's not a it's not a physical thing for me it's like my church yeah right and she basically said how do you do a rep it's like i breathe i breathe in breathe out okay breathe in breathe out short breaths in long breaths out whenever you have a panic attack feel that rubber ball that's blocking your breathing reducing as you breathe and every time i have a panic attack i do that now I wouldn't have been able to figure that out if I didn't go for help. And breathing is such an important thing because you don't get oxygen in. Well, particularly if you, when you're doing fitness, the only way at the gym to recover is to get that oxygen and pump the blood around. And it's the same when you're breathing, talking, in any situation. Absolutely. So if you're not breathing, no wonder Absolutely. you run out of oxygen. Absolutely, man. So like, that's the thing, right? So like, people see me in person, it's like, you're such a happy person. Like, how do you like go through so much like depression and you talk about all these like things? And I was just like, Look, depressed people, most depressed people, like I was reading an article about it, it's like there are people who are just like smiling out in public and they're good around people and they go home and they just crash. Yeah. You know, and it's the people who use it as like a crutch are the people who are just like, just like, just for the sake of it, just to like get their attention from people. But people who are actually going through it are very positive, like very positive in person. They talk really well, all of those things, like in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and then they go back and like, even this whole week, I've been like overwhelmed out of my mind and I'm just like keeping it together. Yeah. But like people don't see that. It's just an internal battle. But that's why it's important to do what you're doing and sharing, you know, your story. And that's what I said at TED Talk. And for listeners... Oh, I can't wait, Sharon's coming out singing. You can see it because as a 26-year-old getting up there being so open and honest and just sharing like you did, that can really relate to people because there are so many people that are putting on these masks, they're going through their day and then they're going home and they're in a horrible place. Yeah. You know, so what, what would be the best advice you would get for anybody? And I know you talk about this a lot. So if you are 
not in a good place? What, what are some things that we can do? So obviously, we can do what you did when seeing someone out. What happens if you don't want to do that? What would be some other areas you could explore? Accepting that there's a problem is the first step towards solving the problem. Yep. Um, everybody is just like, the fact that you understand that there's a problem, but you still don't know where to go, it's fine. But you at least have to accept that there is a problem that you need some help with. Yeah. Right? And if you're too nervous, the big thing about, uh, from a Sri Lankan context is there's a lot of stigma behind it. So people are like, if you go to therapy, you're crazy. You but know? I think that, but that's, I don't think that's just Sri Lankan. There's a lot of countries, yeah. right? There's Philippines, there's uh, Sri Lanka, Even India. Even people like Australia, you know what I mean? I, I think it's coming around. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. I, that's I the thing. It's like, a worldwide thing. These, these types of things, like I was, I was featured on a magazine cover for the med, for being a positive role model. But that's the only magazine that like, I'm grateful. But like a lot of newspapers, radios, TV, social media talk about fashion, social, you know, all of those things. But like these topics that are more important, like what are the steps you take, right? What are the steps you take when you're, when you're feeling like anxious or insecure or like panicky? Like what do you do, right? But my one advice for people is just like, accept that there is a problem, right? As soon as you accept it, try and do your research if you're still not open to talk to people. Eventually, when you're a bit more comfortable, talk to your closest, closest, closest friend or friends or closest family. Yeah. Right. If your parents are going to be judgmental, speak to your cousins. Right. Speak to someone who you know for a fact will not judge back you. you up. Yeah. Or tell because what that to judgment yeah. will just push you back. Correct. You or, will not. Or tell proceed. you what to do. That's. You don't want to be told what to do. Absolutely. That's not going to help. Is no. It? You yeah. just need someone to like hear you. Yeah. Like you listen. need to be heard at yeah. this point. Like my best friends just listened to what I was saying over and over again, like a broken record for like a whole month. Yeah. Right. That's all they need to do. I mean, people message me on Instagram. They just they just want to be heard. And all I tell them first, what I say is thank you for messaging me. Thank you for being courageous to message a stranger on social media. And thank you for being brave. I hear you. I hear you and then I basically make them feel comfortable and then I talk, yeah. right? So find that person for you, anyone, right? Anyone who can message you back or talk to you. And then after that, when you're more comfortable, when you're talking to them, when you, if you feel like you still need professional help, for me, I didn't need antidepressants. Uh, my counselor figured out that I just needed someone to hear me out. And I just needed to figure out my life and like put things in place and like figure out how to do certain things when I have triggers of panic attacks, right? And, and breathing, is breathing your big thing? Breathing is like so key for me. Yeah. Like even uh, in, when I was coming to Docklands to do the TED talk, I stood in the balcony for a whole five minutes. Five minutes of breathing is a long time. It is. Yeah. It is a long time of just focusing on breathing without doing absolutely anything else. So I put Frank Sinatra on because I love Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I put Frank Sinatra on and he was just, I put my way because I, you know, I'm doing it my way, you know, and just put him on and I put him on repeat. And I was just like five or six minutes. I was just like breathing before like I was just like, holy shit, this is happening. You know, in a second, I'm going to call a cab because I'm too nervous to walk up there and it's going to take way too long. And like I planned the whole thing out and just that six minutes was just me just being quiet and focusing on my breathing. Mindfulness. Like, mindfulness, man. Like meditation and all. Like I still have, don't actively practice in a meditation, but it's something I really want to try. But yeah, so that's what I would give to people. Like, well, you, you are. That, that is meditation. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that is true. That, Just that like is, empty thoughts. 
not thinking about, and just letting your mind, even listening to music. Yeah. You know, and focusing on the music. Absolutely. That is mindfulness. Absolutely. Music is like a big part of my life. Do well, I so music, there's a lot of, I think it's music, laughter, and exercise yep. are the way to change your mood. Yeah. They make you happy. Yeah. And that is proven. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And three of those things is just like, I will laugh at people, like, we're having a good time. I'll go to the gym, have a good freaking time, and I'll listen to music. Dude, like I'm into jazz these days, and it's just like zen, mate. I love it. So let's. What's what's the future hold? What what do you? I know the future's a long way away. <laughs> As a 26 year old, what what do you see yourself doing? Like obviously you're doing so much already, but where do you see yourself going? What what's the impact you want to have? Um, that's the type of thing that I've been thinking about. It's always in the back of my mind, but yeah. for the past week, I've been thinking about it very seriously. After the TED Talk? Yeah, after the TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big deal now. Bro. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, I never want to be a big deal. <laughs> Dude, honestly, like, the only reason I want to get known more and more and more, even in Sri Lanka or wherever I go, is just that I know for a fact, at this point, I'm super confident to say that I have a positive message. You do. And I can change lives. Yeah. You know, and I can bring about change. And having that confidence behind me is the only reason why I want my name out there. Like, my mom, she is, the amount of things she has, like, gone through, is her name on papers, magazines, TV, radio, social media, nothing. Yeah. Right? She's a silent survivor. And what, how many of those are there out there? Like, I want every single silent survivor in front of me. Yeah. Not facing me, but walking ahead of me. I want to be the person who helps them in some small capacity for the rest of my life. And I say that wholeheartedly. Right, that's, that's awesome, I love it. And plans man, like I'm graduating this year, uh, I finished, this is my last semester. So I'll work a nine to five till I have to. <laughs> um, and then see how it goes man. Like I, I, I'm setting up a free counseling and therapy back in Sri Lanka. There's already free counseling therapy, it's just that the number one factor is not there. They don't trust it. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I have trust on my side, right? And just keep pushing the message out there, man, as much as I possibly can. Like, social media, if used for the right ways, is a powerful freaking thing. Yeah, so let's let's get to that. So, obviously, uh, that is, you're very active on it, you've, and you've mentioned it quite a lot, you're helping people. Where do we, if people are listening today, where can they reach out and just say, Sharon, thank you so much for being so open and honest, hit you up. Where's the best spot? <laughs> and so both on Instagram and LinkedIn, I've been having a chat with you about podcasts, but that's going to be soon, soon. <laughs> uh, but Instagram and LinkedIn, uh, Sharon, S-H-A-R-A-N, uh, and Vela Yudan, which is V-E-L-A-U-T-H-A-N. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> if people listen to the way I was yeah. <laughs> No, but like, I think if, if I have to say anything, like, Dale, thank you so much for having me on board. Like, I'm... Like, things like this make me super grateful that people just want to have me on something, you know? It's like, it's nice. It's a nice feeling, you know? Because, like, recognition is something I never got back in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, in the corporates I worked. That's why I don't like working for corporates back in Sri Lanka. But rec- when I came here and people started, like, talking to me, like, I'm actually existing next to them, is like, man, it humbles you. Yeah, but... People but take that stuff for granted. <laughs> why, why do you think that is so? Why do you think... 
back home, do you think it's because that's the way in Sri Lanka? Or because you come here and you're putting yourself out there more and they don't know you? Have you read Seth Gordon's Lynchpin? No, I haven't. When you have some time. Okay. It's a good book. So it basically I've talks read a few about, of his books, I haven't read that one yet. He talks about being a cog in the wheel. Yep. And still Sri Lanka is people are okay and that is the norm being a cog in the wheel. It's just okay to work up till 3 a.m. in the morning, wake up at 7 a.m. the next day, go to work, and do that for six years in hopes of a, pro- of a promotion. Promotion, yeah. You know? And linchpins are the people who are thinking outside the box, and firms need to focus on more and more. Give creative space for those people. And creativity, number one asset, isn't Absolutely. it? Like it? Absolutely. That's where it's at. So, like, being here, I've just let my creativity and, like, like if I spoke about mental health on LinkedIn in Sri Lanka and I never came to Melbourne, people would look at me like I'm a freaking freak. Yeah. You know? But I can talk about it openly and the audience that I have on there is just, like, super open to that conversation. You know? It's the culture that you're around. But the thing is, culture can be created, culture can be formed. Yeah. Right? right. And changing culture in Sri Lanka is dead set something I'm going to change. So, will you stay in Melbourne to work? We're going to go straight back I'll home? stay in Melbourne for another two years to work because cool. we get uh, two years of temporary residency. Awesome. Um, but we'll see, man. If Australia wants me after that, I'll, <laughs> I will stay on and, you know. Mate, by then you'll have this number one podcast. We've <laughs> had three TED Talks on you, Mel. <laughs> oh, Sharon, for me, mate, it's been an absolute blast meeting you. I can't wait for your podcast to come out and to help you with that. And, uh, mate, just... When your TED Talk does come out, I'm going to share it. Listeners, please watch it because I was sitting there. I had the, I had the pleasure of speaking after you. But as a 26-year-old, being able to do what you did, get up there and, and speak like that, man, it, it literally blew me away. So thank you for doing what you do and Dude, being on the show today, thank, Legend. Thank you for having me. Keep spreading the positive message that you're spreading. Be an energetic ball of freaking <laughs> electricity that you are. Like, keep wearing the things. that When you wore that outfit that day, I was like, <laughs> yes, that is it. Like, keep showing people that it's okay to be out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. it is. It, it, and that's the thing. You, you've got to do it. So, mate, superstar. Thanks, Legend. Good, thank you.